like nostalgic movie review from Nerdy Nick. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to New Nostalgic Movie Reviews. I'm David. And I'm Steven. And this week, we're looking at The Iron Giant. Yes. This movie came out in 1999. It is PG, and it's an hour and 26 minutes long. Uh, quick synopsis of this from IMDb is just a young boy befriends a giant robot from outer space that a paranoid government agent wants to destroy. Cast and crew. It's directed by Brad Bird. It is written by Tim McCanley's Brad Bird and Ted Hughes. This movie stars Eli Marienthal. 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 Sorry, I am going to mess up on some of these names. Harry uh, Connick Jr., Jennifer Aniston, Vin Diesel, uh, James Gannon, and Christopher McDonald. Those ones are like the main ones of this. Uh, John Mahoney is probably another good one to bring up. Really surprised with how stacked this cast list was. I didn't remember a lot of the the cast for this one. Like, I totally didn't realize that Jennifer Aniston was in this movie. Yeah. And I laughed so hard with Christopher McDonald. And then when I realized who uh, Eli Marenthal is, because he's Stifler's younger brother in the American Pie series, I was like, oh, God. (laughs) Well, even like, I really enjoy uh, Harry Connick Jr. Mm -hmm. I mean, he used to be in a lot of movies like Independence Day, like around that area. Yeah. And then he kind of just like disappeared for a while. At least I feel like he did. I I think he's a great actor. (laughs) And then, of course... I, I knew Vin Diesel was Iron Giant only because when he started doing the voice acting for Groot, everyone's like, but he he also does the Iron Giant. And I was like, no way. <laughs> so <laughs> I remembered it from that kind of conversations. But yeah, besides that, I was just like, yeah. Well, Christopher McDonald, man. It's Shooter McGavin. <laughs> yep. <laughs> He's the guy. I like him. <laughs> All right. Well, Best performance. Who do you think had the best performance in the movie? Uh, it's it's almost like a three way tie for me. But okay, I mean, like a lot of people say Vin Diesel, which is fair. Yeah. Uh, but I really love the character of Hogarth. Um, I love Kent Man Kent Mansley, and then I like <laughs> Dean. Those three characters, okay. are standout performances. I think the best performance is probably uh, shared scenes of Hogarth and Kent. Yeah, I think that those scenes are really good. So I think that, like those three performances really stand out to me. And it was really hard to bring it down to one best, you know? Uh, for me, the entire time I was watching this movie, I thought Christopher McDonald was by far, like not by far, but he was just the best performance for me. I think that he's just so ridiculous with this character and his voice matches so perfectly with his character. And like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I heard his voice and I instantly was like, oh my God, that's Shooter McGavin, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just laughed. I'm like, gosh, like I he, he plays it so perfectly, and I I really just think Christopher McDonald really like sells this role in such a unique way, and his voice is so good for an animated character that I couldn't say anybody else for the best performance. I also agree that everyone else had good performances in the movie. Jen Franston was mm. great. Uh, the guy who played Dean was great and uh, Hogarth was great and of course Vin Diesel but like Vin Diesel doesn't have that many lines so I can't really give best performance for someone who says 20 words the entire movie or whatever it was (laughs) it's 17 more words than you know Guardians of the Galaxy (laughs) true (laughs) (laughs) I also don't give him that much praise for I am Groot (laughs) right 
Even though he deserves it. He does. He's great. Like, I love it. Only his voice could do those kind of things. I saw a uh, behind the scenes of this movie that one of the reasons they picked Vin Diesel to be the Iron Giant Mm -hmm. was mainly because of the low register of his voice. Yeah. Because they needed a good starting point to add the robot sound effects to his voice to make him sound. And he just had the perfect voice for it. So I thought that was really cool how he got the role and yeah. how they manipulated his voice. And yet it still sounds like Vin Diesel. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much sounds the same in a lot of things he does. He doesn't have he's not one of those actors that has like wildly different voice ranges. He's pretty much yeah. always know it's Vin Diesel when you hear Vin Diesel. Yeah, which is, you know, nothing against him. No, his, no, no. His little register is, like, iconic, yeah. you know? It's kind of like Patrick <laughs> Patrick Warburton's the same way, Crunk. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. He's, he's that him. guy, yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess, uh, what are some of your favorite moments? Some of my favorite moments. I think, like, my main favorite moment is when Hogarth is at home trying to eat dinner with his mom and he's also <laughs> trying to hide and guide the giant's hand throughout the house and then when he has the interaction with kent mansley entering the house he's like hey he's sport and he slams it on his face and pushes the hand away and like that scene and the scenes following with kent you yeah. know interacting with hogarth in the house are just stellar. It's so funny. I was going to bring up that dinner scene too because he's saying grace while yelling at the robot hand. He's like, oh my God! <laughs> and stop! Here. Stop, the, stop the devil and go away, Satan! And just like the way he's like trying to incorporate yelling into his prayers is just hilarious. It's so good. Uh, for me, at the beginning of the movie, I love when he has the scroll that he gets out at the diner. And it goes into Dean's pants. And it just reminded me so much of uh, Phineas and Ferb. Because they have the song, S-I-M-P, Squirrels in my pants! <laughs> and I just, <laughs> I just die laughing because he even, like, I love the moment where he's, like, talking about how the squirrel's in his pants and he's being really weird with the mom and everything. And then he stands up, he's like, I'm sorry to do this, everybody. And then <laughs> pulls out his fly and then the squirrel just pops out of his <laughs> zipper hole. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I just could you imagine being in a diner sitting there and some guy stands up, undoes his fly, and a squirrel just flies out. Like it's well, I love I love when he stands up and he says, I like to apologize to everyone in advance for this. <laughs> Unzips. So great. On on a little bit more of a serious note, yeah. one of my other favorite moments of this movie, and it's mainly because we haven't seen a lot of this in animated movies since like Bambi back in the day. Mm -hmm. But this movie has a scene that is basically tasked with teaching children about the concept of, of death. Yeah. And is the scene where giant and Hogarth are in the forest and they hear the gunshot and they happen upon the deer that was just shot by the hunters. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's such a powerful scene because you see giant kind of reacting to it and he's not understanding and Hogarth has to explain it to him. But while Hogarth is explaining it to him, this is like his first time experiencing death yeah. as well. So it's like he has to come to terms with it. And I just think it's very powerful and it's a great teaching tool in an animated film to help kids understand. So I just I, I love that scene. I think it's very powerful. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great, great uh, moment. I know another really fun one for me that kind of is a good like teaching moment was uh, when... Hogarth is talking with Dean 
um, where he's all hyped off on the cappuccino or whatever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he's having all these, he's like... He's trying to act like an adult. Yeah, I'm hip. I said I'm hip. Give me yeah. cappuccino. <laughs> but uh, I love in this moment, because he's talking about how uh, everyone at school is, like, bullying him because he's, like, way too smart, and he's smarter than everybody else. He's like... I'm really not even that smart. I just do the homework. If everybody just did the homework, it wouldn't be that bad. Everyone would feel smarter. (laughs) And I just loved it because it's so true. And it's something that I always felt when I was a kid where it's just like, I'm really not that much of a nerd or like I am a nerd, but I'm like, I'm not like that much of a geek or a nerdy person or like, I'm not that much smarter than you. I just did the homework. Like I just just applied myself a little bit more than you. Like, it's not that I'm like way better than you. I don't think that I'm way better than you. I just got an A because I did it. (laughs) (laughs) I just took a half hour. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like I just love that because it is another like kind of like teaching moment. Like, just apply yourself and you'll be deemed smart too. <laughs> exactly. Another one I obviously love, just the uh, Hogarth telling him that you are who you choose to be. So if you choose to be Superman, you get to be Superman. And I, I also love that because I know uh, when Brad Bird was making this film, he basically asked the question uh, and I saw in a behind the scenes video of what if a gun had a soul and chose not to be a gun oh that was basically his premise of taking you know there it's from uh it's this movie's based on a book called the iron man yeah and you know taking that concept of the iron giant and asking you know what if a gun could choose not to be a gun so i just thought it's really interesting i love that scene where he's like you are who you choose to be yeah no, like this, like we're saying, this movie's got some just incredible like teaching moments, and it's really incredible, especially mm-hmm. for kids. But like, it's really incredible how well they do it and mask it in a movie that makes us feel so heartfelt and still comical, but like so endearing and everything at the same time. Like, it's just a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful film. Yeah, absolutely. What's next? Next week we have. Oh, what do we have next week? Uh, we have your pick. Oh, yes. Uh, Equilibrium. I almost forgot what was happening next week. <laughs> Can't wait to I watch that. You... I have never actually watched this. I picked it, but I've yeah. never watched it. I, I hope you have a good time. I hope it's, so, too. You know, I don't want to give anything away. Just enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, for those of you, like we already said, like the last couple of weeks, uh, we, we started a, a new season we're starting a new style we're trying to do more actual review than just talking about that movie in its entirety and i really wanted to make sure our name new and nostalgic wasn't just based off the years of the movie but also some new and nostalgic movies for us so i'm we're going to try to mix that up a little bit like i'm picking some movies that are completely new to me with also picking some movies that are really nostalgic for me so and also picking some newly released movies and some movies that came out in whatever age they came out we'll do some movies from the 50s 80s 2000s wherever it takes us so just trying to do a lot different styles of reviews and making new nostalgic mean a lot more than what it is enjoy our journey (laughs) all right with that we will move on to our summary section uh there will be some light spoilers ahead yes let's sum it up all right so the Kind of a, a little summary of this, uh, you know, Hogarth is this kid that is growing up in a broken home. He's kind of the outcast in his school. 
Uh, a lot of kids, it doesn't seem like he has a lot of friends. Kids tend to make fun of him. And I don't know, it almost seems like he is a kid trying to be not be a kid anymore. He's trying to act grown up. Mm-hmm. Even with this opening scene when he gets uh, that squirrel and brings it into the bar, he's trying to prove that he's old enough to be able to take care of a pet. Yeah. But uh, he gets to learn alongside the giant in this journey where he overhears someone in this cafe talking about how they saw this giant metal monster in the water. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I wonder if it's true. And so he goes searching for it and he ends up saving the giant from electricity, which I'll explain a little later is actually quite a different origin than like the original book. But uh, the giant eats metal and he ends up getting electrocuted and Hogarth saves him and actually um becomes his friend and it's like almost hogarth's only friend at that point yeah uh so while this is happening the government sends kent mansley in to investigate this situation and to find whatever is happening and see if this giant even exists and mansley wants to destroy it once he discovers what it is be you know by any means necessary because he thinks it is nothing but evil yeah and Throughout the movie, uh, Hogarth and Kent kind of play this cat and mouse game of trying to find the giant and trying to also, you know, lead Kent in the wrong direction and deter him from finding it. Yeah. And I just think it's a really interesting story. And uh, just kind of the end when that happens, uh, we get this kind of duality between Kent Mansley and the Iron Giant they're very similar characters in a sense that they're both fighting like they're programming to destroy. Whereas Mm -hmm. the giant is literally doing that because he gets attacked. And once he is attacked, it activates his defense system. And he basically summons a bunch of guns on his body and is defending himself, but goes on a rampage. And, you know, Kent is doing the same by, you know, he just, all he wants to do is destroy this giant and he's not really thinking about it. And ultimately the giant chooses not to harm people, but to save them where Mansley fails at fighting his programming to destroy and condemns the town to death. Yeah. They both... So it's kind of interesting that the giant saves the people that tried to destroy him. Whereas Mansley doesn't realize what he's done until after he basically sentences all these women and children and people to die. And then he's like, even then he doesn't care anymore. He only thinks about saving himself at that point. I like that uh, perspective of the duality because it's, it's really true. Like the more you think about it and they, especially because both of them react mainly because of fear. It's only when iron giant is, has a gun pointed at him that he turns into a weapon himself and starts pointing weapons back and starts harming people when he thinks people around him are harmed. Like he only goes into ultimate weapon mode once Hogarth is injured and you have Kent who throughout this entire movie, he's kind of that crazy governmental person who just thinks, Oh, this could be Russia. This could be China. This could be anybody trying to come and wipe everybody out. Like we need to wipe this thing out before it wipes us out. We don't even know what it is. So let's just kill it before we find even out. Like he just, he's that kind of person who just instinctively is going to react and just try to throw every bomb and missile and any millions of dollars 
at this thing to just kill it just to make sure it doesn't harm anybody else. And I think it's really interesting that he has that mindset because of the time this movie is set in Mm -hmm. is when, you know, the atom bomb is, you know, come to light. And that's what everyone's thinking about. They even have a section where they're teaching the kids how to duck and cover under the desks to save themselves from bombs. And so it's kind of interesting seeing that his mindset is that way where he's thinking every other, you know, country out there is against the USA and he is so focused on one destroying the threat at any means necessary, but also making himself look good. So he could, you know, be the savior of the government. Yeah. I mean, he even has like a frantic, uh, kind of argument with Hogarth about Sputnik because it was a Russian satellite in a diner scene where Hogarth gives him, uh, the laxative to get away from him. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it, it's just kind of crazy. Like when you start like listening to a lot of the things he's saying and all the kind of crazy government, uh, conspiracies that he has, it's like, what is this? What if it's this country? What is this? We need to protect the people. And it's like, and the, the, the things he's willing to do to protect the entirety of the United States, he's kind of has a mentality of kill a few to save the lot <laughs> he even yells in hogarth's face we need to destroy them before they destroy yeah. us so he's all about just killing and whatnot but i also love looking at the giant where uh i even saw uh, again something with vin diesel where he's talking about how he himself as an actor he feels like he relates to the giant because the giant is just misunderstood and needs to learn and whatnot and you know that's the way people look at Vin Diesel. He's yeah. kind of just the big buff action hero guy that is kind of misunderstood where inside he's also a nerd. He's also a fun loving guy. He's more than just the muscle, you know? Oh yeah. Like, so I, I like the idea of that. I like watching all the stuff with Vin Diesel and Vin Diesel and Henry Calvo are the ones that come to mind the most because those two are like yeah. huge D and D people. Uh, Henry Cavill is right. like the biggest Warhammer nerd I've ever seen. <laughs> oh like, and just like seeing some of these guys that are just like the biggest action hero, like always just the doing that. And like, even seeing all the heart and stuff that Vin Diesel had for Paul Walker and everything with that, with, and all the people involved in the fast and the furious movies and stuff like that. It's, it's really cool. Like knowing that he feels this way about this character because that's the way he is. Mm-hmm. And I really love, uh, you know, that the giant has to learn responsibility throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting that a lot of people, um, you know, link Superman to the Iron Giant, of course, for the yeah. direct visuals of him saying, I'm Superman. And some people even say, like, this is one of the best Superman movies ever. <laughs> but if you think about it, like, I get it. He is very much like Superman. But he also has some other hero characteristics, like him having to learn responsibility. Yeah. It's kind of like Spider-Man or something yeah. like that. So I really, I kind of like the ideas that kind of build this character. And how can this be like Superman? He crash landed in Maine, not Kansas. Come <laughs> oh, <gosh>. on. <laughs> okay. It's a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. but yeah, I guess it, um, that's really a summary of the movie. Okay. Uh, so you I, have anything else you want to say? Uh, not in particular, no. Um, I think you summed it up really nicely. I think a lot of the things that this movie was trying to do with the way it was trying to teach and the way it was trying to 
uh, show characters and development and stuff in this movie is just incredible. Honestly, there's not many animated movies that I put on this high caliber of movie as far as being able to execute everything they wanted to execute so perfectly. Um, Mm -hmm. This movie is really hard to say anything bad about, honestly. Um, Going into our next session a little off the top, I kind of had to find some like stretch things or like a a movie mistake here and there that I liked or just a trope that I didn't necessarily like, but there's not like a lot that I would even cut from this movie. (laughs) Okay, well, I guess let's head there. A little off the top. What would you cut? Um, so the first movie trope that I always just get annoyed with is always when something big happens in a small town, it's always the town drunk who sees it first. And like town crazy person. Yeah, because why? Well, I mean, even like when they when the guy first was saying it, the one there's somebody else at a table was said, uh, "The I I bet you just saw a beer bottle or a whiskey bottle or like right like, yeah. yeah like like they're just implying that he's the town drunk, town crazy. He always has the crazy stories, and it's just always funny. Like that's kind of like the, the movie trope. Every time some big event happens in a small town, it's always the town drunk who sees it first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And like no that. one believes him ever, and it's just always kind of funny. Uh, for me, also, I saw a movie mistake uh, when Hogarth uh, goes out. Well, I don't know if it's necessarily a movie mistake because a kid could make this mistake, but I just thought it was a really funny thing to bring up. When Hogarth has the flashlight tied to his BB gun, it's got one of those big bulb flashlights that's totally blocking the barrel of the gun, so he wouldn't yeah. even be able to shoot anything. <laughs> <laughs> like personally i think that's not a mistake yeah. that's more of that's what a kid would do yeah. they think oh i'm gonna be able to see better and shoot they don't think they're blocking the barrel i i i 100 agree but i just like laughed when i first saw that because i was just like you could shoot anything with that uh yeah. but and being a bb it would hit the bottom just like bounce straight down to yeah. like shoot himself in the foot <laughs> um the only things that i think i might uh they're 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 kind of important scenes but they're also just like i feel like they're a little too far to the same point uh there's just a few of the interactions with kent and hogarth that i think are just like a little crazy over the top like when he threatens to take him away from his mother and chloroform him like that's just like i get the whole interrogating him scene and like being around him not wanting to let go not wanting to warn the robot and like trying to figure out where the robot is and stuff like his crazy personality with that is totally fine but when he like threatens to take him away from his mother and chloroform him like okay that's a stretch for any government (laughs) maybe not back in the 50s but (laughs) absolutely crazy yeah 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 and i i mean like it is his character that he's just absolutely that crazy but it's kind of crazy seeing a kid get chloroformed in a in a kid's movie. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of like bizarre, and it almost makes it seem like it was that like a dream sequence. Did that really happen? Because like the way it fades to him sleeping in the bed, it's like, oh, is that real? Or and I mean, yeah, you find out it did happen because you know what happens right after. But the way it fades to him sleeping in the bed, it almost seems like a nightmare. Well, that was a little too crazy. Did that actually happen? Yeah. Fair, fair, fair. Uh, anything you would cut it from it at all, or? All right. So uh, let's see. Cut, cut, cut. Uh, absolutely nothing. <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I, I'm very biased. Oh, I think this movie is virtually perfect. Yeah. This is one of my favorite animated films of all time. There's actually, and I kind of struggled with this part where there's a deleted scene that 
I think could be added. Okay. But it 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 might push the runtime a little too long. So I can see why they cut it. But there's a deleted scene where it actually shows uh, the Iron Giant's home planet oh. being destroyed, and you see all the other giants walking, and uh, you know he ends up getting cast out and sent to Earth. Oh, interesting! But, so it's really interesting. I don't know how well it would fit in the film. Yeah. Uh, so like, I I struggle saying like, oh, they sh- should add that in. I don't necessarily think that, but I think it is a worthwhile deleted scene to check out to kind of see where like Brad Bird's mind was mm-hmm. because it is an interesting concept. But as far as cutting, I think the movie is so good. It is just such an awe-inspiring piece of art, it, you know? So I just yeah. don't think you need to remove anything. You know, that's an interesting concept though. Cause it's a lot of times with like deleted scenes, people argue like, should this be in the film? Should it not be in the film? But a lot of times, mm-hmm. like especially deleted scenes or alternate endings or something like that a lot of them, I feel like need to be watched. But I, I also yeah. think that they changed the movie or it would be so weird to fit them into the movie. Like you even saying that, like I'm interested in watching that, but I can't think of a good spot where that would flow with the rest of the movie. Exactly. Like, I think it's kind of weird. Um, and I guess I can briefly earlier, I mentioned uh, kind of the different origins of the yeah. giant yeah, go ahead. where uh, the two main differences are the beginning of this movie the giant comes to earth from space whereas in the book he actually comes out of the ocean deep oh, deep in the ocean okay and then instead of hogarth saving the giant in the book he actually captures the giant so interesting uh he so a lot of the townspeople end up setting a trap because they know the giant likes to eat metal yeah so they dig this giant hole in the ground and cover it up and hogarth and his dad lead the giant and capture the giant there oh so it's like quite different how they changed the story yeah. but in my opinion i think they changed it for the better i, I just it's a brilliant film and that's, the, that's this that. for me is always going to be inside of like it's hard to say because there's so many really amazing animated films but this is always for me going to be one of those just 100 percent our movies like there's i don't really mm-hmm. find many things wrong i can't find anything actually wrong with this movie like it's such a perfect movie in every way like you said and it's one of those movies that is always in my top 10 top 5 top 25 whatever it's in most people's top 10 movie list of all time for animated movies it's such an incredible movie which is kind of funny how like it kind of has become like a cult classic because it wasn't like super super popular when it first came out well, and you know what's crazy about you saying like how good of a film it is and me saying the same thing is that this is actually Brad Bird's directorial debut of a movie. Wow. He had done some like TV shows before it, like he did a, some episodes for The Simpsons and whatnot. Okay. But this was his first directorial movie. And I mean, if you like this movie, Brad Bird does a lot of other great movies. He did like The Incredibles 1 and 2. Oh, yeah. He did Ratatouille. Yeah. And he even did Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Oh, shit. So it's like, he, <laughs> he had, and if, if you look at his filmography, he has such a variety, but he has a lot of bangers in there, yeah. a lot of great movies he has done. So I just, for people talking about this being a cult classic or how good this movie is, I just love that it is his first movie yeah directing so i just i think that should you know give him praise and everyone else that worked on the movie like the animators and everything like 
they deserve every bit of love. Oh yeah. No, this, this truly is such an incredible movie and not much else can be said besides just how perfectly well done it is. And every time I watch it, like it this is kind of funny. Like we got done watching it, me and cause Jen and I watched it together and this was the first time me and Jen actually didn't cry. At the end. <laughs> we were both like close. We're like, okay. And Jen's like, I didn't cry this time. I was like, I didn't either. Okay. <laughs> the, whole, the part that makes me cry every time is the giant telling Hogarth, "Don't follow. Um, you stay, I yeah. go. No following." Oh, yeah. <laughs> God damn it! No. <laughs> Final thoughts and ratings. Uh, this is definitely a must-buy, must-watch. Uh, this is one that's just pure classic. Everyone needs to watch it. Uh, this movie for me goes alongside um with treasure planet and atlantis that are just perfect ways to capture a sense of wonder heart and comedy um i have never seen any movie besides those three especially an animated world capture wonder heart and comedy better than those three movies have and i think those three movies are always warped together as some of the movies that animated movies that don't get enough praise and it's true they just don't it's kind of crazy how much like Little Mermaid or Snow White or any of those movies get praised all the time. But like some of these movies, like I feel like everyone loves them, but they don't get in those same, uh, don't get the love, the same love. Yeah. (laughs) They're like sleeper hits, you know? Yeah. What about you? Well, uh, I mean, I don't know if you noticed, I may have kind of spoiled my thoughts on my radio. this movie earlier. Uh, I love this movie to death. <laughs> I think everyone should watch it and own it. Like it's not on the list of must watch movies before you die. It should be on the list of must own movies yes. before you die. <laughs> it's so good. I love the story. I think it is just an endearing, sweet story and it gets you thinking and it tackles some great concepts, but also the special effects and the animation of this movie like they're so beautiful and have such a fluidity to them that you just can't look away. It's, it's a beautiful movie in every aspect and the music of the movie just pulls you in and there, there's no reason to not watch this movie. Agreed. 100%. <laughs> all right. Well, again, thank you guys for all for listening to our review of iron giant and next week will be equilibrium. <laughs> All right. So we'll see you then. Bye.